This morning, I want to introduce a new sermon series that we will follow all throughout the entire summer. And we are calling it, Once Upon a Time, The Stories Jesus Told. And we are going to take a look at some of the parables that Jesus used to teach in the Gospels. All three of the Synoptic Gospels give us account of stories or parables that Jesus told for the purpose of helping his followers understand important truths about the kingdom of God and about salvation. And as I was planning this series, I originally intended to just jump right into the first parable this Sunday morning. Um, But as I studied, I quickly realized that it would be better for us to answer a really key important question before we begin to examine these stories that Jesus told. We already know how much people identify with good stories, right? We all love stories. We love to listen to stories. We love to watch stories. That's why television and movies are such a big part of our lives. We also like to tell stories, don't we? We enjoy telling stories. (laughs) Have you ever become frustrated with those people who will tell a story and it seems like it takes them forever to get to the point? Okay, yeah, don't point any fingers at anybody. You may be thinking, Eric, you're one of those guys. I'll just go ahead and say it for you. Um, you know, it, it's like they, they, you know that there's a point to the story, but they're just giving you all these details and it feels like they're leading up to it and you're like, uh, just tell me what do you want to tell me. Uh, just get to it. Or sometimes when people tell a story and they don't really ever get to the point, but just, they just sort of leave you having to figure out what it is that they're trying to say. Uh, maybe that happens in your home sometimes. Guys, we're a little clueless sometimes. Sometimes our wives will tell us about something or they'll, they'll say, hey, this happened and this happened and they'll just leave it at that. And we're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, we need you to spell it out for us. Please don't leave us to figure it out on our own uh, because we need all the help we can get. But have you ever wondered that about the parables of Jesus? Have you ever wondered when he would tell these stories in the New Testament, why doesn't Jesus just come out and tell them the truth that he's trying to get across? I mean, if, say, the story of the Good Samaritan is one that we are familiar with. If the Good Samaritan is about being kind to your neighbor who is different from you, which is what most of us think that story is about, why doesn't Jesus just come out and say, hey, anytime you see somebody who's in need, you should do anything you can to help them, Period. Why does he go to the effort of creating a a fictional story, a parable, to try to get his point across? And that's the question we're going to look at this morning as an introduction to this series. And it's not an unreasonable question because today we're going to find that Jesus' disciples even asked him that exact question when he began to teach in parables, and it's really important for us to understand the reasons that Jesus began to teach in parables before we can understand what he was trying to teach us through them. And so this morning we're going to look in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 10, and this is in the middle of a conversation that he's having with his disciples. This conversation we're going to look at this morning is actually in the middle of 
of a parable that he tells. Actually, the first parable that he tells uh, chronologically in his ministry. So let's read uh, this together. Beginning in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 13. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Mm. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And now Jesus shifts, and he's going to begin to quote Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, if you've never heard Jesus say things like this before, that may seem kind of strange at first reading. It almost sounds like Jesus says, the reason I'm teaching in parables is because I'm, gonna, I'm trying to teach you something that's not for everybody. I'm trying to teach you something that's, that's for you, but there are some people that aren't going to understand it. And it's not for them because they don't understand it. And we go, wow, I thought, like, I thought Jesus taught so everybody could understand it. Maybe we thought that's the reason for the parables. Maybe we've, we've always approached them thinking the reason Jesus taught in parables was because he wanted everybody to understand. And he wanted everybody to catch what he was saying. And actually, what it seems like Jesus is saying here in his explanation of why he's teaching in parables is the exact opposite. Jesus says, everybody's not going to understand. And if they don't understand it, it's not for them. So that seems kind of strange. This is a huge turn in Jesus' ministry. And it happened on this particular day. And if we go back and look at all that has happened previously in Matthew's gospel... And in the Gospels, it, we get a better understanding of, of why Jesus is talking like this. Why is he saying things like this? Jesus has never spoken to the multitudes when he would gather a crowd to teach. Up until this point, he's never taught in parables. In his ministry, he's not... He, you, can, you can go through your Bible and backtrack all the way back through the beginning of Matthew. You won't find a parable. This is actually the first place that Jesus teaches in parables. 
And this first parable that he teaches is what we call the parable of the sower or, or the parable of the soils. And that's what we will begin to look at next Sunday. But previous to this moment, Jesus has chosen to reveal the truth of the kingdom of God and salvation in a couple of different ways. Previous to parables. One, he's been straightforward and upfront with the truth. He has proclaimed the truth. And the greatest example of that is the Sermon on the Mount. If you go back to Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, is Jesus' greatest sermon, his greatest single discourse. And he... And he, he's not teaching in parables in the Sermon on the Mount. He's being straightforward. This is, what, this is the kingdom. This is what you are to do. This is what it looks like. So up until now, he's preached to the multitudes. Very straightforward. Very plain. And then also, he's, he's delivered his teaching through miraculous signs and healings. Jesus has spoken with the authority that's been given to him by the Father, and he's allowed people to see him perform miracles as proofs that he truly was the promised Messiah and to give credibility to his teachings. You say, well, well what, were, what was one of the main purposes of the miracles that he would do when he would heal people? It was for, him to, for people to hear what he said and then see what he did and know that only the power of God could do that it was proof for what he would say. But if we go back from chapter 13 and we go back to chapter 12 and see and begin to look at what happened right before Jesus makes this turn in his teaching ministry, we'll understand a little bit better. And I want to give you, we're not going to read chapter 12, but I want to tell you a little bit about what happens in chapter 12. At the beginning of chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples are being accused by the Pharisees. And the Pharisees' favorite thing to bring against Jesus was the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath because God established the Sabbath as a day of rest. God's rule for the Sabbath was don't work, rest, set a day aside for worship. But then the Pharisees decided that they needed to create an entire rabbinical law on how you do that. And they added all of these unnecessary things to the law of the Sabbath. And then they would go around and basically accuse you of you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And they would do this to Jesus. So in the beginning of chapter 12, they were accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. Literally, you know what they were accusing him of? He was walking through a grain field, which one, he shouldn't have been walking because that violated the Sabbath. He picked some grain out of the field, which was categorized by the Pharisees as work. So he was breaking the Sabbath by doing that, and he was eating it, which he also was not supposed to do according to their law. And so Jesus, in verse 8 of chapter 12, he very plainly says to them, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And he explains to them, one, how crazy that is. Your, your rules for the Sabbath. And two, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You know what he's saying to them? You have no power to instruct me in following the Sabbath because it was my idea to begin with. And I am Lord over the, over the Sabbath. Don't tell me what to do. So, you know, Jesus isn't a softy. He just comes back at him and says, 
you don't get it. Like, the Sabbath was my idea to begin with. I was there when it started, when it was instituted. So don't tell me what I can do and not do on the Sabbath. So then, later on, he goes into the synagogue, and there's a man with a withered hand, and Jesus heals him. And again, he's breaking the Sabbath. The Pharisees jump on him again. And in verse 14, it says something very important. It says, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So in chapter 12, there's this shift. The Pharisees have become so angry with him at his defiance of their man-made laws that they go from just trying to trap him and accuse him. Now they're plotting his murder. Now they're figuring out, how are we going to kill this guy? It's not just about proving him wrong in front of the people anymore. We're so sick of him how are we going to get rid of him? So then, Jesus is brought to a demon-possessed man who is blind and mute, and Jesus heals him. Again, another healing. This is all happening in the same day, too. Now, keep that in mind. He heals the demon-possessed man, and the Pharisees go beyond just accusing him of breaking the Sabbath... And they conclude that it's only by the power of Satan that Jesus would be able to drive out demons. And that's what they accuse him of. And so Jesus explains to them later, right after that, and he explains to them how that makes no sense at all. uh, That if Satan was empowering someone to cast out demons, he would be divided against himself, Jesus says. So it's crazy for you to think that I'm... Why would Satan empower me to cast out his own demons? That's crazy. That's a kingdom divided against itself. Then later on in chapter 12, this is what's funny. Like all of these things that Jesus has done, he's performed a couple of miracles, he's taught them, he's he's rebuked their accusations, and then near the end of chapter 12, the Pharisees come to him and say, Jesus, we want you to perform a miraculous sign so we can... Know who you are. Uh, Have you not been hanging around? Like, have you not already seen what he's done? It it, it was all a plot. The, The Pharisees' hearts had reached the furthest level of unbelief. They had become completely blind to what he is and what he has come to do because their refusal to believe... He's already made the kingdom plain to them. He's already plainly, directly spoken the principles of the kingdom to them, and they have refused to hear it because their hearts were hard and cold and arrogant. So it's at this point that Jesus changes the way that he teaches. He stops teaching the crowds by explaining the kingdom truths plainly, and he begins to teach them with stories, with parables. And these parables are not always easy to understand. And so chapter 13 in Matthew is where Jesus teaches his first parable, and the disciples are confused because they've not heard him teach with a parable before. And so they come to him, and they ask him this question, 
Jesus, why are you teaching the people with stories? So Jesus explains to them in this text what his purpose is. And there are two main purposes in the parables. From this point in Jesus' ministry until the cross, he begins to teach in parables from that point forward to reveal the truth and to conceal the truth. He's teaching it to reveal, and he's, and he's teaching in parables to conceal. He's teaching so that some can understand, and then he is intentionally teaching so that some will not understand. If we look into verse 17, we go back to that passage we just read. Jesus used the parables to draw the ones who were believing in him into a deeper understanding of what the kingdom of God was like. And in verse 17, he says, Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. He's telling them that through the parables, he's going to reveal a deeper truth about the kingdom of God than even the ones who believed in the Old Testament. He said, I'm going to begin those for the ones whose hearts are open, the ones whose hearts are believing. I'm going to teach in parables so that you can understand principles that are even deeper than any of the ones that I've talked about before and even the ones that your forefathers knew. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Peter writes to the church and says, Concerning this salvation... You say, well, what is the thing that's so great that Jesus is going to reveal through the parables that, that the Old Testament prophets and forefathers didn't know about? It's the salvation. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, that they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. The mystery that he is going to reveal is the mystery of salvation. And when we say mystery in a biblical context, we're not talking about like some cryptic secret knowledge, that like this cultic kind of thing. That's not what he's talking about. He's he's he calls it a mystery because it's something that that the saints of the Old Testament couldn't didn't experience. And you know why the angels in heaven even even marvel at it? It's because angels don't need redemption. Angels don't know what having a relationship with God is like, the way we have a relationship with God, the way we are rescued through the gospel, where we are, are, are given citizenship and we become sons and daughters of God. The angels are not that. And so the scripture says what we know, the knowledge of salvation, is something that's so precious, so great, that even the angels look at it and go, wow. To be able to have that kind of 
relationship with the Father. That's amazing. But Jesus is also going to use the parables to conceal the truth, to hide the truth. And you may say, well, why would Jesus want to hide the truth from anybody? Jesus' covering of the truth was a judgment that was brought on the people who did not believe by their own hard hearts and refusal to believe what he had already revealed. It was only hidden from those who refused to seek to understand it. It's not that Jesus said, I'm going to intentionally, you want to know what it is, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's not, that's not what he did. But to the ones who refused to believe, the ones who had closed their hearts off to him, the ones who were hard, he said, I'm going to begin to teach the ones who are following me, the ones who do believe, in a way that they can understand that you can't. And that was a judgment, folks. That was a judgment of Jesus as the one righteous judge. Because you have rejected my word, because you have willfully turned your back and hardened your heart toward the plain truth that I have already taught you, from this point forward, it's not for you. Because you're not going to hear it. You're not going to perceive it. You're not going to understand it. And so I'm going to teach it in a way that only the ones who are seeking after me, only the ones who are, are believing, are going to be able to understand it. We have record in this parable, the parable of the soils that we'll look at next week, that Jesus gave an explanation. And there are a few other explanations by Jesus that are recorded by the gospel writers, but all of them aren't. All of the explanations of what the parables meant aren't in the gospels, but there are some, like this one, that Jesus did, and it's recorded for us, where he sat down with them and said, this is what this parable means. But you know who he did that with? The ones who were following. The ones who were with him. The ones who sought to understand what he was talking about And came to him and said, Jesus, tell us what this means. Because we want to know. We want to understand. We we believe in you. We want to know what you're talking about. Because we want to receive the knowledge that you're trying to teach us. And Jesus says, okay, here's what it means. And he explains it. And so we may read the Gospels and think, well, he doesn't explain them all. Here in the text. So does that mean that he left his followers to just have to figure some of them out on their own? No, not really. If we look in Mark chapter 4, which is the parallel of what's going on in Matthew, Mark says something really important in verses 33 and 34. Mark 4 says, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. Listen to verse 34. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Wow, he didn't say anything to them from that point forward without using parables. A complete shift in the way he teaches. And then it says in the end of verse 34, 
But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So this isn't, this isn't a trick by Jesus. This is not a game. This is serious. The ones who wanted to believe, the ones who wanted to seek and understand what Jesus was saying, he sat down with them and he explained to them everything. He never told a parable to try to be all cryptic and then the ones who were seeking and following him come to him and say, Jesus, what does this mean? And Jesus goes, ah, you just figure it out. I'm not going to tell you what it means. No, he didn't do that. He says, because your hearts are open, because your hearts are soft and, and, and teachable and you want to know the truth of God, I'm going I'm to tell you. But I'm going to teach the multitudes in parables. Because there are some people whose hearts are so hardened and closed off to the kingdom of God that the truth I have to teach is not for them anymore. So I'm going to teach it in parables. And the ones who don't want to understand, won't. He knew. And what Jesus was doing was revealing the hearts of the people by the way they reacted to his parables. Because there were some people from that point forward who would hear the parables of Jesus and just dismiss them and go, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's just nonsense. These stories about this and that. Like, what, he, what is he trying to say? That's crazy. And they would just dismiss it and walk away. Some wouldn't understand what he was talking about, but they wouldn't care enough to pursue an explanation. So they eventually stopped listening. Those were the people who would listen and go, uh, I don't get it. But rather than pursue Jesus, rather than seek to follow after him because they didn't believe in who he said he was, they just eventually stopped listening. They would stop following with their desire for the miraculous and the wonderful that was not being fed. You notice, too, up until this point, there were lots of people who were following Jesus in these big crowds only because they wanted to see the show. Only because they wanted to see the great miracles that he would do. They wanted to see him heal people. They wanted to see him do these crazy miracles. It was just a show for them. The, the miracles aren't the end. The miracles are to prove to you that when I teach truth, it's really truth. That I'm really from the Father. And that I am the Messiah. And the miracles are for you to take heed to the words that I say. So, before we can study and understand the parables, we have to understand who they are for. The parables are for those who believe, for those who desire to know the truths of the kingdom. We may think that the parables are about lots of different lessons or topics when we read through these and as we go through and study them, we, we may come to them with a preconceived idea of what Jesus is trying to teach. But I'll go ahead and tell you the spoiler. All of the parables are meant to reveal the truth to us about one primary thing. And that is the gospel. The true gospel. Salvation. How God brings people into the kingdom. 
every parable ultimately is about the gospel. It's not, the, the parables are not just about little moral antidotes of how, like how you should live a good, better life. That you, you can get those from the parables, but that, that, that's not the purpose for Jesus teaching them. It's so people could understand salvation. And Jesus ended many of his parables with some important words that we see in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 9 says, He who has ears, let him hear. This was Jesus' invitation. Saying, if you can understand and you want to understand, then come and understand. He was not trying to create this exclusive, secret, cultish truth. Because he opened it to everyone. If you've got ears to hear, hear. If you want to understand, come and understand. He was telling them that they would need more than their own intellect to be able to understand what he was teaching. But for those seeking to know, there was nothing to stop them. The only thing that would block someone from receiving the knowledge of the kingdom would be their own cold, hard, stubborn hearts. And so as we go into this series, I have a prayer for you. That yours would be the heart that is open. That yours would be the heart that is seeking to know and understand beyond your own understanding. Because you desire to believe Jesus is who he says he is. And for the ones who are seeking him, he wants you to understand. And the parables are for you. Then in that understanding, we grow to become the ones who submit to the truths of Jesus' words and his beautiful, revealed gift of salvation. So before we enter into all of these stories this summer, the invitation in all these stories is right here at the very beginning. Whoever have, has ears, let them hear.